Merkel, got your game face on? It's go time. I know you got a lot going on in your head, but right now, right here, let's just be in this room, okay? <laughs> got it. All right, let's go team. It's time to play. Two dreaded words this time of year, tax time. Tax season officially begins, ugh. Tax season, tax season. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Welcome to Retiring Today, guiding you to and through retirement. Today, we're talking about taxes. Hang on. Don't don't turn off the podcast. Do not turn the volume down. I promise we will make taxes as interesting as we can. And more importantly, we will make taxes be something you're going to want to talk to all your friends about. You want to know why? Because a guy that lights up when I talk taxes or he talks taxes and then I listen and ask follow-up questions is Lauren Merkel, certified financial planner. Lauren, I don't know anybody who gets as excited about taxes as you do. You see that sparkle in my eye already, don't you? <laughs> Rochelle Just Smith. grinning from ear to ear. Producer Chester, extraordinaire. Chester do you, smile. Do you know, do you have any friends in your circle that get excited about taxes? I sure don't. Okay, no. well. Weren't you guys just saying how you're happy after reading through this that you don't have to worry about the tax piece of your household? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we're both married to people who take care of the taxes <laughs> and I just assume that they're working. Oh, and we hire professionals to help us with our taxes. And so I don't do a lot, but sign the document yeah. each year, which is not good to admit publicly, but it's the truth. And I'm sure I'm not the only person who feels that way, mm. but someone who likes to look at taxes, the nitty gritty, all the good stuff is Lauren Merkel, certified financial planner, retirement planner as well. And Lauren, the reason you like to talk about this so much is because I know that you do like numbers and, and you read, you know, the latest articles and you're following tax reform in the news and what's going on in Washington. But really, I know you and I know what you really like to do. And what you like to do is put more money in people's pockets. And that's how ta what taxes can do for people. Yeah, what, what, what we say all the time is it's not what you make, it's what you keep, it's what you get to spend. People work 40 years of and put money away in a very disciplined fashion and all of a sudden they get to retirement, they have to start spending this money. And what they find out that this tax burden doesn't go away. This tax burden actually for many people increases post-retirement, which is completely contrary to what most of us have been told all this time. Most of us have been told that our taxes will actually go down. Our tax rates will go down post-retirement. So what happens? So you're kind of in the highest part of your, your earning years near the end of retirement. You're, presumably you're making more than you've ever made before. Presumably kids are out of the house. Your maybe disposable income is a lot higher. When they get to retirement, you would think that you know, all those W-2 wages go away, but what hits so hard or what often happens that makes that tax burden even higher? Well, as a part of our planning process, what we like to do is maximize Social Security for, for retirees. There's up to 81 different options that people can choose from from a Social Security standpoint. So if you maximize your Social Security benefits, which means you're maximizing your Social Security income, now that can have an increased tax effect on your overall income. If you have a pension, that is that is income you cannot control. It's going to come to you every single month for the rest of your life, and it is all taxed at ordinary income. If you take money from pre-tax accounts, IRAs, 401k plans, by the way, which there's $27 trillion in pre-tax money in this country, most of that pre-tax money, most of that $27 trillion is within the baby boomer demographic who is taking money from those. Those pre-tax monies, when they take income from it, it is all taxed at ordinary income income. 
when they hit 70 and a half, they will be mandated to take distributions from those pre-tax accounts, which is also taxed at ordinary income. So you have, and you can't control that. You have to take it out. There's a certain minimum you have to take out and it's taxed at ordinary income. So that right there, once you turn your social security on, you're not going to turn it off. It's coming forever. The pension, it's coming forever. The income that you need to live on to maintain your lifestyle, you hope is coming forever. And then at 70 and a half, it will be mandated to come forever or until the accounts run out. So once all of those income levers are turned on, what are you going to do? You're going to pay taxes at whatever rate those tax levers are. And the only thing the only thing we can do is just hope that taxes go down. But what we anticipate and what is already on the books is that taxes are going to go up. So with all these baby boomers retiring, I am just positive that lawmakers are no longer going to say budgets are tight. Because there's going to be so much money in the coffers yeah. of wa- uh, in Washington, D.C. I just can't wait. I mean, the baby boomers must just be really filling up the, the budgets. Yeah, that, that's the anticipation anyway. But, you know, the thing about lawmakers is whatever money they get, they like <laughs> they, to spend. They do spend it. <laughs> there they is do. no discipline in their spending. I might be able to sympathize with that that theory of living. Yeah, and it doesn't matter which side of the aisle you're on, right? They all like right. to spend. Right. They all do spend. And, I, and, and, and prior retirees want, want to spend money, too. They want to fulfill these dreams that, that have been on hold during their working years. So that's what you help uh, people do all the time. Sit down with them and say, how can we make these retirement dreams come true? And do you find that this tax planning, this advanced tax planning, this customized tax planning, do you, do you find that this is something all advisors are doing or is it something that comes into play a little bit more in retirement? Yeah, usually what we find is, is retirement planners usually engage in the tax planning. And that's really what we do here. We do the tax planning, the income planning, the healthcare, long-term care planning, estate planning, as well as the investment planning. But only about not only about six percent of advisors across this country engage in that comprehensive planning. There's four hundred and seventy thousand advisors in this country. Ninety-four percent of them don't do not do the comprehensive planning. They focus on the investment piece. So they do the investment piece. You know, what kind of mutual funds are you going to invest in? What kind of individual stocks are you going to invest in? What kind of risk do you want to take? Need to take. And they don't focus on the tax planning or the other components of the retirement plan. Okay, so tax rates, taxes, they're not set by you or me. They're set by lawmakers who do work for the people. I'll, I'll, that, that's obviously something that, that they're, they're striving for. So what happens in Washington matters. And Rochelle, a presidential election will happen in 2020. Yep, it's just around the corner. And so when, if or when, if we have a new president or we have the same president, Sometimes, obviously, tax uh, legislation changes. We saw that with the Trump administration. The standard deduct was put in. Lauren, when the standard deduction uh, rate was put in, how did what kind of conversations were your, you and your families that you work with having? Yeah, essentially what happened is the standard deduction was increased. So there was a whole host of tax changes that took place. One of the most uh, advertised, one of the most notable was that the standard deduction was nearly doubled for single filers as well as joint filers. So on the surface, that sounds really good because what the standard deduction means is that's an amount of money that you do not have to pay taxes on. That sounds pretty attractive. And on the, on, in paper, it's even attractive, except for you look at all the other things that they took away. And now it, the net net, you're all about the net net. Are you going to pay less in taxes? Or are you going to pay more in taxes? Now, it turns out that nine out of 10 people ended up paying less in taxes based on the reform. However, it's still wildly unfavorable or seemingly unfavorable 
um, across the American population. And the Though reason, they paid less in taxes. Is that just because sometimes these things are just plain hard to understand? Well, one, if, if, you, if you ask uh, people across the country, not all of them know they paid less in taxes because the withholding was changed. And so it feels like they paid more in taxes because they it. owed more at the end of the year. Sure. Or they had to uh, cough up more at the end of the year. So not everybody knows they paid less in taxes. But also... Uh, generally speaking, if you have a neighbor and they save more in taxes than what you save, that is seen to be unfavorable. And, and the wealthier did tend to save more in taxes than uh, the middle class. So obviously the presidential election, TBD, to be determined. We don't know who will uh, be our next president. If we'll keep the same president we have, and we don't know how taxes will be affected, but definitely something we're watching here at Merkel Retirement Planning. We are watching it because one of the things that's constant over time is tax tax law is always changing. We just saw it last year. Uh, we saw it years prior to that. We're going to see it again regardless who's elected d during the 2020 election. So we have to keep an eye on it, and we have to make sure that we make adjustments within our family's retirement plans based on what that tax law is. Because, again, it's about what they actually get to spend, what they get to keep out of this life long savings that they've been able to accumulate. Taxes will change, the plan will change, and we need to make sure that it adjusts based on what it is they're try trying to accomplish within their overall retirement plan. Yeah, and the last thing we maybe want to talk about with some of these taxes is what, 2025. I think that's probably a conversation that you're having with some of the families you work with is the expiration date on the middle class tax cut 2025 What's what's the takeaway there? Yeah, so speaking about tax changes, there's already a tax change on the books. 2025, if no new legislation is introduced, the tax rates are going to go up. They're going to go up to what they were prior to this, this last, last tax law change. So already tax law is scheduled to, to be implemented if nothing else trumps it. No pun intended. <laughs> 2025 is the deadline, which, which what that means... <laughs> for for retirees, pre-retirees, those people who are looking to take advantage of the tax rates today when they are on sale is they have up until potentially 2025 to make some serious tax loss tax strategy in their plan to put some tax strategy in their plan to really take advantage of the lower rates right now. Okay, so let's get into a tax planning. So now we're going to talk about, I think, some, some important strategies that people can be thinking about, some strategies that they can take to their retirement advisor, and keeping in mind that tax planning should not just be a, an April event. It takes some serious forethought, Lauren, to really make a, an efficient tax plan. Yeah, it certainly does, and that's why we review the tax strategies that are applicable to, to our families every single year. And we're having multiple conversations most of the time throughout the course of the year. What do we plan to do specifically for you to help you save money on taxes? Just this year, there's a couple things, a couple instances that, that stand out that we were able to do some pretty cool things that if unless you're paying attention to it, unless you have some, some increased focus on this area of plan or planning, you're going to miss it because it goes by really, really quickly. So as an example, uh, this in, individual... This year took what we, we call tax-free RMDs. Interesting. I'm intrigued by the tax-free start. It's, it's a, an ironic concept because our, our RMDs, required minimum distributions, are mandated because the 
federal government, Uncle Sam, wants to tax you on these distributions. At 70 and a half, right? So, yep. So at 70 and a half, yeah, you're required to take it out. So in this particular instance, uh, this individual had some cash. She's living on cash. She had Social Security income. And she had a required distribution. The required distribution was about $10,000. We were able to take that required distribution and pay no federal tax on it because we were supplementing the income with her cash. So she had a little bit of Social Security. She took a little bit of cash out for income, and then she took what was mandated to come out and didn't owe any federal tax on it because she stood, she fell within the, the deduction amount. And do you look at that, and are you able to discern that if she had taken that 10000 not not tax-free, so tax whatever the opposite of tax-free is, yeah. tax. Taxable. Yeah, taxable. That's the word I was looking for. Would that have put her into another tax bracket? Is that why that that amount of, you know, because I, I would think if she's in the middle of the tax bracket, let's just say, and you add 10000 it's not going to change how much you owe. But if you're getting close to that next tax bracket, is that what you're looking at there and making that decision? Yeah, I mean, if, if to, to live the lifestyle that she wanted, she needed additional income than what the RMD was going to provide. She needed additional income than what the RMD and the Social Security benefit was going to provide. So she had the option to take more income from her pre-tax account, the IRA. But then that would have pushed her into the next bracket, which means that she would have had to pay taxes on a piece of that money. So what we did is we, we took the income from uh, savings accounts, we took the Social Security income, and we took the RMD amount. And the RMD amount ended up being tax-free based on her particular tax situation. The other benefit of that is she has this money sitting in a bank account earning less than 1%. So if your alternative is to, hey, hey let's save some money on taxes and let's take income from the one less than 1% bucket, in actuality, when a, with a real return, that that equates to a higher real return on her portfolio than less than 1% because you're saving money on the taxes. Does that make sense? I think I followed it, and, yeah. And, and this is why Vanguard came out with a study. Vanguard, the self-professed king of low fees in the mutual fund ar arena, and they are. But they came out with a study. And, and traditionally, a lot of do-it-yourself investors like to use Vanguard because of the low fees. So it's ironic that Vanguard came out with a study that says if you use a retirement planner, a good retirement planner to incorporate all of these different strategies – you can. It can mean an additional 3% to you on your portfolio every single year. That's significant. And it's all because of a lot of that's because of these tax strategies that you can implement. If you miss out on, then it can really negatively impact your total return. And, and the way we calculate that total return is how much of your money do you get to keep, right? Not only from the, the performance of the investments, but from the tax implications of the type of money that you have and the income that you require. Also from the legacy planning piece and what you spend on healthcare, long-term care type coverage as well. So all of this goes, comes into this total return and, and basically it boils down to how much of your money do you get to keep? Rochelle, do you have a football team that you cheer for? Uh, nope. <laughs> do you have a sports team that you cheer for? Um, I am a UFC fighter fan not oh we learned something about yeah. rochelle today and you might cheer for the grandview vikings didn't you go to grandview nope <laughs> i made that up <laughs> okay so let's just stick with ufc we know that lauren is a chicago bears fan do you yeah. have a baseball team lauren yeah not really i mean i, I gotta stick with chicago so i, I can cubs. Go cubs yeah the only team in chicago the cubs yeah. so we all have 
things we cheer for. And it's it's sometimes helpful, I think, to put sports analogies into the financial world. Why not? I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of sports myself. So here at Merkel Retirement Planning, we've put together the tax planning playbook, tax planning playbook. You can find it at MerkelPlan.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E plan.com. So our tax planning playbook has a, a different, it's got a proactive tax planning play, a contribution play, a QCD play, and a Roth conversion play. Hang on, we'll get to those in a minute. But first, we want to talk about the end of the game. Lauren, it's the end of the year. See, it's the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter. You're playing, let's just say you played basketball Drake. Let's just say. Let's just say. <laughs> and it was the fourth quarter. And the coach said, okay, it's time to go here. They don't have quarters in college basketball. But anyways, yeah, you guys get mine. Just stick with these analogies. They're going to jump from sport to sport. They're going to just not always make sense. But but you guys, I know you're following with me. The end of the year, right now, the end of the game play, what should people be thinking of here? Especially we're talking to those who are within five to ten years of retirement or already in retirement. Well, the biggest one is, in, and this is more Um, broad speaking, but it's the proactive planning play, meaning that take a look, evaluate your entire financial situation and identify, are there some tax strategies you can implement prior to the end of the year? A lot of times people are thinking about tax strategies. They're thinking, well, I have all the way up until April of next year to implement these tax strategies. And for most of them, most of the best ones anyway, you don't. You have to implement these by 1231 of the end of the year. So you have another few months to really identify what strategies may work for you this year, but also in that identification process, you can start to identify, are there going to be some strategies, some plays that you can put into your your plan for next year just by doing that evaluation? One of the things that you can do is is what we call uh, a mock return, meaning that do a mock return. You're not actually filing your taxes, but, but write it all up. Or go to your CPA and have your CPA write it all up and see what would you owe at the end of the year if your income stays on the trajectory or what you plan on your income being. And then, again, identify some of the tax plays that you might want to implement to help mitigate the impact of taxation, not only today, but also down the road. And that's where a lot of, a lot of people get, get uh, tripped up is they're focused only on today. Let's pay the least amount of taxes today as possible and that's not necessarily going to save you the most amount in taxes or taxation. A lot of times what you need to do is, does it make sense, especially in this type of tax environment where taxes are on sale, does it make sense to pay a little bit more in taxes today to save a whole lot more in taxes three years down the road, five years down the road, et cetera? So as we continue our playbook here, the contribution play, and this is stuff that can be done right now, year-end, to help with tax efficiency and tax planning, what's in the contribu- contribution play, Coach? This is a newer play that uh, that a lot of people should be evaluating right now because over the last five years or so, the the employers have been offering the the Roth four hundred one k plan alongside the pre tax four hundred one k plan. So it's still a four hundred one k plan. The contribution limits are the same. It's just, are your monies going to be diverted to the Roth portion of it versus the pre-tax? The pre-tax, everybody's used to that. You don't pay taxes on that money. If you contribute $10,000 to the pre-tax side, uh, $10,000 you're not going to pay taxes on. It's going to grow tax deferred. And then later down the road, when you retire, you take the money out. You pay taxes at your ordinary income tax bracket or at 70 and a half, you're mandated to take it out. 
the Roth 401k plan, you are taxed on that $10,000 contribution this year at your ordinary income. But once that $10,000 goes into the Roth, it grows tax-free forever. And then at 70 and a half, you are not mandated to take distributions on that money. So if you are potentially in a lower tax bracket this year than what you may be down the road, this is an incredible tax play for you. Now, the hard part about this is evaluating what tax bracket you would be in down the road. But we have to use the information we have today to, to identify does that make sense or does that not make sense. The other thing is that let's let's look at your current let's look at your current tax diversification model. Do you have all or the majority of your money in the pre-tax side now? What you want to do, what you you should should be striving to do before you retire is to create some tax diversification where you have some money in pre-tax, some money underneath the Roth, and maybe even some money underneath a, a, a different type of tax form. QCD play. What's it stand for? And when, coach, should we use that play? This, this is, you are eligible for this play post 70 and a half. So it stands for qualified charitable distribution, which means let's say you're 72 years old. You are mandated to take out of your pre-tax IRA $15,000. You do not want, you do not need to take $15,000 out of that, that account but you're mandated. So let's say you only need five of the 15. You can take $5,000 out and use it to support your lifestyle. And any amount of the other 10, you can now divert to your favorite charity. As long as it's a qualified charity, you send that $10,000 direct to that charity and it it counts to suffice your required distribution. But now you're not paying paying taxes on the 10,000. And do you find a lot that the amount of money, so let's say it's a 15000 and they only need five. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to say this just how I want to, but that other 10000 giving it away is advantage to putting it in income, and let's, let's say you would pay just like $2,000 taxes on it. I mean, does that happen to people a lot? Because I'm thinking like when I'm in retirement, I'm going to need, I'm going to want to use every penny, but do you find that the tax advantage is such that giving the money to charity and obviously giving money to charity, by the way, PS is a, is a great thing to do for a lot of reasons. Like I don't want to take away from how important nonprofits are and and the important piece they play in our society, but you see what I'm saying about the financial difference or do you find that your families already are donating? Yeah. Here's here's typically what we see is our families are already donating and they have been donating for a long time. One of the most common charities is their church. Right. It's their local church or, or an accumulation of a couple local churches a- across their community. So they're already gifting to the church, but they're not receiving any tax benefit from that, especially in the advent of the increased standard deduction. And that's what a lot of the nonprofits were concerned about with the increase of the standard deduction is they thought their charitable contributions uh, would, would go down. And so what, what we're doing, once they turn 70 and a half, let's, let's, say, let's say they donate already $2,000 to their, to their church. Well, they can do that as a part of that QCD, meaning that that's $2,000 that they weren't going to spend anyway, right? But they were going to have to take it out and pay taxes on it. They can shift that $2,000 direct to their church. It'll be a part of what they're mandated to take out, but now they're not paying taxes on it. So they can work this QCD oftentimes into their already charitable givings. And then if they want to give more because they don't want to take the remainder out, 
and pay taxes on it, then it's an, an encouragement for them to say, yeah, let's gift a little bit more and we're not going to pay taxes on it. And, and they're, they know people who are in this situation, they know their retirement's going to be fine. How do they know the retirement is going to be fine? Because they did the planning and the planning shows them they have plenty of income for the rest of their life to maintain their lifestyle. And that's pretty cool effect, too, because now they can their, their mind can really go wild thinking about all the good they can do with this remaining money, whether it's to give to their family members, right, their kids, their grandkids, which they don't get the charitable deduction for, <laughs> or if they want to do some additional gifting to their church or other nonprofit um, nonprofit organizations in their community as well. It's it's a pretty cool effect to see the light bulb kind of come on and say, I'm taken care of. Now, what greater good can I do with what's left? Yeah, that's an important, important piece for a lot of retirees. And I would never have thought of a church versus a nonprofit, but yeah. it, it's probably because my stepdad is a, you know, a pastor in the Lutheran church. So I just never thought of it as that. Well, you, you, that's fascinating. And a lot of church, a lot of churches now have set up their contributions uh, monthly. You know, before, you you would always put in the plate, right? The plate gets passed. And for a lot of churches, the plate still gets passed. But a lot of people are just automatically contributing monthly. Yeah. They even have a little slip at our church that you can put in if you feel, you know, sort of that social. And it says EFT contribution already taken out just so you're, if you physically need to do that, put something in the plate, you can. So what an easy transition. If you're already doing that monthly, now you can just switch that. And by the way, the churches love this because they get it. They understand it, you, all you have to do is go to them and say, hey, I'm, now I'm over 70 and a half. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a QCD, a Qualified Charitable Distribution. You're going to get it once a year now instead of every single month. But they love that. They can they, budget. They can, they can budget. They can count on it. A lot of times you'll send that to them in January instead of December so they get it all up front, right? And it helps you from a tax perspective as well. A powerful play there. The next play in the tax planning playbook is the Roth conversion play. Coach Merkel, draw it out on the whiteboard. The Roth conversion works really well with this tax environment for many people. We're talking about, and, and one, of the, one of the misnomers is, I'm already retired. I don't have any Roth IRAs. It's too late. And in actuality, what we're seeing is a lot of times, the first time to implement this Roth conversion play is the first full calendar year after you retire, which reminds me of something uh, for somebody we did this this year. Similar type of thing where she just has a lot of cash and it's earning her almost nothing. So she's going to live on the cash and she has the whole income tax threshold and really realistically for her probably up to the 22% level because what we did is we fast forwarded. She's 60 years old, but she has a lot of money in pre-tax accounts. So what we did is we projected forward. We We looked at what she would be mandated to take out when she was 70 and a half, $83,000. That's a lot. Now, based on her income plan with maximizing Social Security, she doesn't need 83, she doesn't need anywhere close to $83,000. So, but she has a, the, the whole next decade where she can start converting money from her pre tax accounts to the Roth IRAs. And for her, it makes sense to pay up to 22% to do so. If, in 70 and a half, if tax rates stay the, the exact same as what they are now, she'll be paying 24% on it. So if, if tax rates go up, she's going to pay even more. Tax rates stay the same, she'll be paying at least 24% on it. So let's say she pays 24% today. If she pays 24% today, then that money grows tax-free for a full extra decade. 
And then at 70 and a half, she's not mandated to take distributions based on that dollar amount. So it decreases what she's mandated to take out later down the road. Now, again, in 2025, tax rates are going to do what? We, go up. Yeah, we already know. There, it's the law's on the books unless something changes. Now, our thoughts are is that taxes will probably go up more than what's already on the books. So, again, if, if instead of 24%, maybe it's 40 Right they there. just need more money in Washington. Yep. Well, there's there's historical precedent for this as well. I mean, the, the highest tax bracket today is 37%. Just back in the 80s, that was over 70%. Wow. And we have to go all the way back to the 50s to find one as low as the 10%. So there's, there's historical precedent for much higher tax rates. And this is what we call tax insurance, Me- meaning that you, you implement some of these plays to buy out your business partner, which is Uncle Sam, because you will pay taxes on this money. It's just a matter of when do you do it? Do you do it on your terms or do you do it on Uncle Sam's terms? And by implementing some of these plays effectively, the idea is you're going to buy them out at a lower rate than what you would if you don't implement any of the plays. Back to that Roth conversion. This is a really simple question about what that is, but it's an investment, right? So the money that you're converting over there does grow at some kind of rate of return? I mean, is there a, is there an average rate of return or does it depend on what kind of... The, the return's you, all going to depend upon what you invest in. So let's say in your pre-tax IRA, you have AT&T, right? When you convert that over to the Roth, you could still have AT&T. And the amount of growth is going to be dependent upon how AT&T does. So you can have, you know, any individual stock, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs. You can use any investment you want to. So that the performance doesn't matter except for... On the Roth side, you know whatever performance you get is all of yours because it's tax-free. Whereas if you keep it in the pre-tax side, any performance you get, you will owe Uncle Sam on a piece of that performance. So we've been talking about the tax planning playbook here. As we wrap up the takeaways from today's podcast, Lauren, the, the best thing to do maybe right now if you're listening and you're like, I like some of these ideas or I'm not sure if I'm doing this or that is to identify your tax situation. Does that, does that mean your CPA, your retirement advisor, both? Both. Absolutely. I mean, I mean you, want, you want all eyes on on your tax return, on your tax situation right now. The tax laws are complex. um, And if you can work in conjunction with your CPA as well as your retirement planner to identify what are some of the best tax plays for you right now, absolutely, that's what you want to do. And as we end the, the year, you don't want to wait any longer, really, because April, obviously not a good time to start thinking about planning. It, it needs to happen. There's some things you can do before the next calendar year. Well, yeah, here's the thing. With <laughs> any, I just spit out the question. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for picking me up. With any of these, t- with any of these professionals, they get really busy towards the end of the year. I mean, we're, we're having meeting after meeting um, just to talk about these tax plays. CPAs who do the tax planning, they will have meeting after meeting just to talk about these tax plays. So don't wait till December 25th, right? You Might be a little up, hard to get cri- in on Christmas you Day. wake up Christmas morning and say, whoops, I only have a few days. No, that's If you not, call that's your CPA work. on Christmas Day, I'm just going to say either they're not going to answer or they might not like you to. Yeah, and don't wait till Valentine's Day either, right? February 14th is not a good day because right. now 1231 is gone. Right, right? and so you can't do anything about it. Yeah, this is not the old school, hey, I'm going to wait till I file taxes and then contribute to a 
pre-tax account or a tax deductible account. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is you, your deadline for most of these tax plays are 1231 and you need to think, start thinking about it right now so you can get all the tax, all the tax professionals on board in a timely manner to implement the most effective strategy for you. And you need to have a good CPA on your retirement team too. Ideally. Yeah. And, and make sure that you engage in one, just like, just like advisors, right? They CPAs do different things than some CPAs do different things than other CPAs. Some advisors do different things than other advisors. So what you want on your team is a retirement planning advisor who focuses on these five key components, the re, the investment planning, the tax planning, healthcare, long-term care, uh, legacy planning. Uh, and then you also want the, the CPA to focus on tax planning. What you're not doing, what you're not looking for is a CPA who just records history. Recording tax history is when you wait till the spring and you file your taxes and you show that the Uncle Sam everything in that, that happened the prior year. When you do that, and by the way, you need to do that, so that's an important function. But <laughs> I think it's against the law not to, I think. Yeah, you you want to do that. That's, that's important. But what we're talking about is tax planning. And if you really want to effectively decrease what it is you spend in taxes, the tax planning is what's going to get you there, not the recording history. Okay, guys. Merkel, Smith, there's 10 seconds left in the game. We're going to put Rochelle up top at point guard. Merkel's on the wing, and I'm owning the block per usual. <laughs> you got to drop a play to win the game. What do you do? Rochelle dribbles, dumps it over to the wing. I dump it down below. Molly takes a pivot. Slam. I like it. We just won the game, Team Merkel. So if you want more information on our tax planning playbook, go to MerkelPlan.com. Again, that's M-E-R-K-L-E Plan.com. And also check out other episodes of this podcast. It's Retiring Today, guiding you to and through retirement. Thanks for listening. Merkel Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC.